You're listening to Quack Attack with Judah Newby, presented by First Call Heating and Cooling, on your home of the Oregon Ducks, 1029 and 750 The Game. You know, it's no secret. One of the perks of hosting uh, Sports Talk Radio. For me, my favorite perk, I gotta lie, I'm so vain. I just love the bump music. Chris Barty behind the board, he knows this. I'm a music guy. I love playing my own bumps. It's uh, it's a good thing. For that reason alone, I'm grateful to host Quack Attack each and every Wednesday night. This is the debut show of Quack Attack for college basketball so far in 2018. And in our final segment, we're going to go to the phones right now and uh, talk to a good friend of mine, Danny Moran of the Oregonian and Oregon Live. You can follow him on Twitter at Danny J. Moran. He covers the Oregon State Beavers beat. And uh, he's got Ducks and Beavers Friday night in the Civil War at Gill Coliseum in Corvallis. Good evening, Danny. How you doing, man? I'm great, Trita. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, good to talk to you, too. Happy New Year. How's the uh, how's 2018 treating you so far? It's good. It's good. I was in Chicago for a little bit before the New Year actually got going, where it was about zero degrees a couple of those last days that I was there. So it's a little chilly coming back, but... Uh, given what I was just dealing with. I'm pretty happy right now. Yeah, I spent a couple of years out there in the Windy City, so I still have Chicago weather on my iPhone, and from <laughs> time to time I'll flip through it, and, you know, I don't have much sympathy, you know, being over there, but it's it's been cold everywhere in the country. So people walking outside, and it's in the low 30s and maybe a little bit breezy in Portland. Don't complain. It's it's worse pretty much everywhere else right now, Danny. Um, no, it hurts to breathe in the Midwest right now. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Thankfully, basketball is an indoor sport, and you've been covering the Oregon State uh, beat, both football and basketball, for some time now. And we, we talk about the Beavers, 9-5 and five overall. That catches my eye. I think that catches a lot of casual basketball fans' eyes so far, considering that last year did not go as planned for Wayne Tinkle and company. It was a very challenging year for them. Um, really not that far removed from being a seven seed in the NCAA tournament. So for if you were to talk about the Beavers to this point in the season, for someone that hasn't followed them, how have they gotten to 9-5? and five? The main thing I was going to say is, I mean, getting back Trace Tinkle has been huge. Obviously, he only played six games last year before breaking his wrist to miss the rest of the season. He was, you know, their do-everything player for them once he went out last year. Right now, leaving the team both in scoring and rebounding, and he's right up there in assists, too, about .1 assists off the lead uh, among the team. And since they lost to Corey McLaughlin, who was their point guard, former four-star recruit, who elected to transfer after six games, Tinkle, uh, along with the Thompson brothers, Stephen and Ethan, They've really kind of shared, in a sense, point guard duties. I mean, you'll see Stevie Thompson typically bring up the ball in that role, but once they get past half court, it's it's been a you know, I guess spread out pretty equally amongst the perimeter players. Um, occasionally getting the ball inside to Drew Eubanks, although less frequently than last year. Uh, so just much improved offensively. You know, last season obviously they ranked last in pretty much every category among Pac-12 teams, really at the bottom end of every Power 5 ranking, both offensively and defensively. Uh, so this year, I mean, they're, they're a little bit deeper. They've, they've got some freshmen who have come in and made an impact, Ethan Thompson being the main one. They've gotten some really nice contributions from Alfred Hollins, another freshman, kind of a, 
a swing player. He can play anywhere from the two to the four off the bench. Um, so having a little bit of depth there has, has helped them. And, and I'd say, honestly, too, I mean, they had a pretty soft schedule, in all honesty, uh, which I think this team needed, given that they were yelling that they were coming off a five-win season. I think that helped them get going uh, after starting off the year two and three. Can you tell us what happened at the end of this Utah game? I know it went down to the wire, and it was a brutal loss, two-point loss for the Beavers, and it involved a sideline out-of-bounds violation in the final 20 seconds. What happened there from your vantage point, and what was the takeaway from that defeat? Yeah, you know, the big, the big takeaway, one, is that Oregon State battled back. I mean, a, a common theme this year is, you know, one, giving up, uh, second-half leads. I mean, they were down at, at a couple different points in that game, but they got back up to six points, ended up trailing by eight with about three minutes to go, battled back to within one possession. They had three shots at, the, at taking the lead or tying the game. None of them went in, but a jump ball gave them a ch- another chance with 1.4 seconds to go. Ethan Thompson was the inbounder. And as I mentioned, you know, one of the key freshmen who's uh, really helped bolster that depth this year. But, you know, he made a mistake that, you know, is, is a freshman mistake and, you know, it can happen. He basically shuffled his feet to the left on the out-of-bounds pass and was called for a travel. It's not one that, not a call that you're used to seeing at that point in the game would basically you know, eliminating Oregon State's last chance at a, at a victory or tying the game before it even got started. But by the leather of the law, that, that was the right call. You know, he did he did undoubtedly kind of shuffle his feet over to the left and, and was called for a travel. And so that ended Oregon State's chance. It's a tough way to go out, but I think they know, um, you know, they're, they're really learning how to win again. You know, again, when you go through a five-win season, which, you know, a lot of the older guys on this team have now been to an NCAA tournament and had a five-win season. Uh, I, I think it does, you know, rattle some guys. And so they've had a lot of close games this year. Some they've pulled out, some they haven't. Um, so I think at, at this point, being 9-5, nine, 1-1 nine and five, one and one conference is per, a pretty fair representation of how they've been. I, I, I think, to their credit, they've played a lot better in Pac-12 play, even though it's just been one weekend, than we saw during non-conference play. I mean, they had some weaker competition, as I mentioned. They were able to kind of get away, from, you know, with some things that uh, they knew would bite them if it if it came down to that in Pac-12 play. So I think coming away from that weekend one and one, even though that's a tough loss against Utah, I think the way they dominated Colorado. Uh, it gives them a good opportunity now to, you know, get one against the Ducks and, and be two and one. And, and this is going to be a tough one because the schedule doesn't let up. Then they've got the Arizona schools in Arizona. They've got the LA schools after that, and then the Ducks again in Eugene. So this will be a pretty important one on Friday. What do you make of Wayne Tinkle's uh, coaching season so far with Oregon State? He was on the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano this afternoon and said that last season tested his sanity, and I thought that was an interesting way to put it. Uh, considering how last year went, moving into this year, what have you seen out of Coach Tingle? Yeah, I think anyone who had to go through it had tested all of our sanity, you know, to have to you know, <laughs> deal with it day-to-day on a week-to-week basis. But Journal- no, it, Journalists it was, are was, not immune. Journalists are not <laughs> immune to struggles. It, it, it was tough, and I mean, he's told me that it's it's out there you know in print i mean that that was the toughest year of his coaching career by far and i mean it's understandable looking at the record i mean you know in addition to losing trace tinkle i mean they had the unexpected uh 
departure of Malcolm DeVivier, who's now at Akron. He, you know, he sat out the year for personal reasons. Uh, you know, there's a, a number of factors that, that went into making that season so tough. Obviously, Ben Kone, uh, you know, who was supposed to be, you know, a contributor early on. He, he's actually given them some good minutes recently at power forward as a sophomore, but he was coming off a torn ACL that he suffered as a senior in high school. So just a, a collection of things went really uh, really wrong and, and left them without a lot of depth. I, I think the best thing you could probably say about you know Wayne Tinkle this year is the way that you know they lost losing to Corey McLaughlin, even though he really struggled at point guard in those first six games, as I mentioned, and actually was benched in what ended up being his last game. You know, didn't start. Uh, I, I thought that really limited what their ceiling was because if he could have kind of given them average production at least as a point guard. You know, they, they would really have, you know, the depth in the, on the perimeter, and they would have had, you know, just kind of a more experienced, you know, core as far as, you know, their guard play. They lost that. And so being able to navigate the, the season to this point with, you know, Stephen Thompson Jr., who's not a natural point guard, even though he's played the position quite a bit in college, you know, to have Ethan Thompson, you know, have to do that much as a freshman, and then obviously Trace Tinkle, who I mentioned has been doing just a little bit of everything for them. Uh, that's tough to kind of figure that out on the fly, and they've acknowledged. I mean, uh, I think the McLaughlin, his decision to leave, caught everybody totally off guard. You know, even though he wasn't playing well, and there were signs that, you know, maybe it was overwhelming a bit for him at, at the college level at this point. So, uh, you know, it, I think this team is maybe getting to the point where they hope they'd be. That there at least have been some signs this past weekend that they could be peaking, hopefully at the right time for their sake, but. This will be a huge test now, as I mentioned, coming up. I think this schedule is really going to give Oregon State a test. And I think the, the biggest test that Wayne Tinkle will have now is to get them out of this feeling confident, you know, for their sake, hopefully a couple wins under their belt, even if it's an upset. And then they're going to hit a bit of a softer stretch when they get the Bay Area schools and the Washington schools. And that's maybe where they could put some more wins up on the board. On that note, last thing for you, Danny, how do you see the Beavers matching up with the Ducks? And how important is it for Oregon State to have this initial Civil War matchup at home? I think it's big, you know, for all the reasons I mentioned, you know, confidence issues, just you know, wanting to feel good about getting a win. I mean, this is still a young team, even though there are a couple guys on the roster who have really played a lot of minutes in their college career. Uh, Wayne Tinkle, you know, acknowledged say they're still looking for some more leadership outside of Trace Tinkle, who's a team captain. So given that the Ducks at this point are still kind of figuring themselves out, that they've got so many new pieces, you know, Oregon State's in the rare position you know, of this rivalry right now to have more continuity on their roster. I mean, you look at the Ducks, it's really just Peyton Pritchard uh, who has experience in this rivalry, significant experience in this rivalry where, you know, Drew Eubanks, Trace Tinkle, Stephen Thompson Jr. all have, you know, gone through the wars a little bit over these past two years. So uh, I, I think to have it at home, to have the home court advantage, particularly given how much they struggled in Eugene the past two years, uh, that's going to be big. But you know, I think that's why it's important for them, particularly even though we're still in early January, to come away with a win just with how tough that schedule is going to be coming forward. The 9-5 and five Beavers host the 11-4 and four Ducks Friday night at Gill Coliseum. Danny Moran of the Oregonian and Oregon Live just broke it down from us from an Oregon State perspective. Follow him on Twitter at Danny J. Moran. Danny, good to talk to you, my friend. Happy New Year, and thank you for taking the time to join us. Of course, Judah. Talk to you again soon.